begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in snakes using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're on the bike. Maybe you're doing chores. Maybe you're doing housework. Whatever the case, we're going to try to help in the only way we know how. By being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week ExpressVPN they are bringing the show to you DLC of course the show all about games in their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's surviving the heat wave, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Some might say I'm bringing the heat. You know what I mean? Oh, it's all because of you is what, what you're saying. Oh, I mean, oh, when you say it like uh, Christian Spicer spelled with no N's and no T's, I just realized. So yeah. that's fun. Yeah. I just realized eight years later, I was like, hmm. <laughs> we're doing last names. First names, I have both last names. It only took me 300 and whatever, almost 400. Almost 400. Shows. Almost a 400, dude. Almost a 400. Little show, grew, little show grew up. And this show that we have for you tonight, my friends, is going to be fun. I'm so excited because not only do we have tons of games to talk about, some interesting news to dig into but we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am really excited because DLC stands for Delight Lifted from Chaos. Because from Jeff Grubb's Game Mess and Games Beat and the unofficial official association of gaming Jeffs, right? Jeff Grubb joins us for the first time. Hey, Jeff. That's right. Yeah, the Jeffs are all coming together. We are coalescing. Uh, once our power has been combined, we will be unstoppable. Uh, Jeff Keeley, you are not invited. Get that name right. Yeah. Come on, man. Get out of here, G-Off. G-Off, what is that? That's a, <laughs> that's a game mess right there. Yeah. Gross. I feel yeah. like, no no offense, uh, other Jeffs, but I feel like Keeley's, maybe you need to change the way you're spelling it, because he's kind of killing it. He's kind of, <laughs> he, he's doing he okay. Did, he did get that Elden Ring, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Um, I'm so excited to talk to you, and uh, I'm a big fan of the things you've been doing. And you have been breaking news all over the place. In fact, I think a couple of our stories yeah. were broken by you. So let's jump in <laughs> and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. I found the volume knob on it. <laughs> I found the volume knob on that this week. It's it's <laughs> no. Let's just keep it keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail or by visiting our subreddit. That's five by five dlc where cool folks are hanging out, posting stories, and talking about games. Uh, also, our Discord has great folks there as well. So check that out at 5 by 5 DLC on Discord as well. But Jeff, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you mm. consider to be your story of the week? 
Yeah, let's let's just do the damn thing. Uh, let's uh, EA Motive and uh, and Dead Space. Uh, I, I listen. I get credited for this one. Uh, I think more than I deserve because we were like on our podcast. Uh, me and my host Mike Minotti, who has actually been on the show before. Yeah, uh, me and Mike were talking, and I'm like, "Hey, that thing." Uh, it is going to happen at, at EA Play in July. Let's see if we could talk about it. And that's all we said. It was the end of the show. We were just actually trying to do the thing we were vamping as our like music was playing out. So I was just like speaking from the back of my brain a little bit. And then uh, people just lost it from there. And everyone assumed it meant dead space. And then since then, uh, pretty much there's been like three or four stories confirming. I was, I was listening to Giant Bomb this week, the Bombcast. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Gerstmann basically said exactly what i'd heard separately we haven't talked uh he's like oh yeah it's it's gonna be like a it's not like um a sequel it's gonna be like sort of a reboot and that's along the lines of what i've heard as well so uh we're not the only ones who had had heard it clearly because we never said the name you know dead space but uh uh, it, it seems like that's what ea motive is working on and uh i think that's very exciting and smart and seems like uh what we want kind of ea to be doing right that's how i feel yeah, and right, and what you're implying is that we're going to find out for sure on July 22nd when the EA Play event happens. Um, motive, of course, folks who did uh, Star Wars Squadrons, which I loved, I think is very, very good. So this feels like great developer, great IP, one that has been gone long enough for us to be mm-hmm. excited about again. Uh, I mean, were you a fan of the original Dead Space games? Yeah, Dead Space One specifically. Yeah. I, I never got too into the into the sequels. Uh, I know a lot of people also like Dead Space Two, and then Dead Space Three was clearly this sort of this uh, unwanted child of EA's, where they're like, "We got to figure out a way to make this thing fit into our new family, which is about microtransactions." <laughs> right, uh, and that never really yeah got off the ground. Uh, I, I think that the idea here is going to be. Um, hey, that Capcom seems to have figured out this whole thing with their horror franchise. Let's just do that. And mm. I think that when people see it, and if it's anything along the lines of like a Resident Evil 2 remake, uh, people are going to be very excited, I think, for this. And it's it's just going to do very well. I, I think it's probably going to match Capcom's numbers with Resident Evil and maybe even then some. Because uh, that, that Dead Space franchise, people are very anxious to get their hands back on that. Yeah, I think there's hunger there. I, I don't know if you have specific info about what the game's going to be, but if not what kind of game do you want it to be? Do you want it to really honor that first game and sort of feel that way? Or would you like to see it reinvent the wheel a bit? So my understanding is from like Dead Space 3, like the, the DLC killed every single human in the universe, which is just an incredible <laughs> idea. Like the developer clearly knew what was happening there. And they're like, let's just, let's run this thing into the ground. And so uh, obviously they're going to have to do something different to, to fork off from that. So we're going to get like the, you know, the J.J. Abrams verse of the Dead Space <laughs> stuff. And that's, I think, I think that's a smart thing to do here. And the way you do that is probably you do a reboot. You do it as a, as a remake. You do it like a Resident Evil 2 remake. And, and what you, you you probably also uh, don't do it super faithful. It's probably going to feel like mostly Dead Space 1. But mm. if there's other things you want to pick and choose to bring in there from the other games, uh, you probably do that as well. Like you treat like go all out for this. Really make a, a, a big splash. Because we saw how well that worked for Capcom. And they're, they're going to want to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Christian, I, you know, I, I think of Dead Space. The iconic stuff, obviously, is the look of that armor of the protagonist. The menu system that's all in-game, that projection contextual menu system feels iconic. The slow plodding move through a derelict space station. The cool weapons that could sort of sever limbs and stuff like that. Um, Is there any other elements that you think are essential to a Dead Space reboot? Should it feel 
like that first game or are you hoping that they push it forward and, and evolve it in some way? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I'd be excited either way, assuming it's done well. To me, the other thing of Dead Space that's kind of iconic is the sound design. Mm. It has a very specific, I would say look and feel, but that's the sound. It has very specific sound, not look or feel. Sound um, that is very different, especially for the time of Resident Evil, Silent Hill, where Dead Space really played in silence um, and and had these moments of like um, not even false scares as I remember them, but it was just, it took a really long time to pop the tension. Whereas resident evil, even with village is constantly popping that tension, which I like because it resident evil village has a lot of combat, but dead space, as I remember it, it really let you sit and fester in these, in these moments. Um, So I think if they went and did and revisited that first game and gave it that RE2 remake treatment, I think that'd be very exciting. But I think it'd be exciting to see them reevaluate what the franchise is today. I, I'm surprised that more horror games, and Resident Evil's kind of doing this now, but I'm surprised we haven't seen more take like the American horror story anthology approach. Like, give me the essence of what this thing is and then bounce around. It doesn't, I don't need the next one to be a direct sequel. Like, I, what I don't want to have happen is like, but in a bunker, there were a thousand people who survived. And they've had kids and they, it's like, I don't need that continuity. Just make, give me that visceral, scary game where I think limb cutting weapons that aren't weapons, right. Is a hallmark of dead space. Um, and then let me live in that moment. Uh, also the iPad version of that game, which I have not revisited, but at the time, like early iPad gaming, I remember being blown really? away. Wow. Yeah, I wonder if that even still works. I bet that didn't get updated to 64 bit. So I bet that Probably kind of ended. Yeah, That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> it probably doesn't even, won't even yeah. work on the new iOS. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Dead Space with ray tracing, I feel like will be Ooh, spectacular because yeah. it's so shadowy anyway. And, and all, all the, the way light played in that game, uh, even yeah, lasers, in the old days. your laser rail gun bouncing yeah. off of things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. cool. So I'm hoping we get a, a real good indication of what it's what it's what they're doing with it uh, in July when EA Play happens. Um, but Jeff, while we're on the subject of things that you are breaking, or at least you're credited for breaking, I have Before, to ask you about our friend, Mr. Hideo Kojima. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do this one too. <laughs> because it's not an official story of the week here because I don't know if there is a story, but there's a lot of rumors swirling, and you seem to be one of the people that. Uh, is pretty confident that Kojima's next game is going to be an Xbox partnership with Microsoft yeah. in some way. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the conspiracy theories are that uh, he is making this abandoned game with a company in the Netherlands, and that company keeps saying no, 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 but then they say our game begins with an S and ends with L, like Silent Hill, tee um, <laughs> And it's like, okay, uh, that's probably not Kojima, but people really want to believe that. I think a lot of uh, people really are hoping that He's going to continue the relationship he started with Sony because, uh, you know, whether or not that's because you liked uh, Death Stranding or because you felt that that didn't live, live up to your expectations. You want the next one to be like, now, now let's do a real Kojima game. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, I've heard over and over. And now, like this last week, Microsoft announced that they hired Kim Swift to come in right. and be like their cloud person who's going to work with independent partners. And I had heard this weeks ago that they were bringing in Kim Swift to work with Kojima. So the fact that they have announced this and it's sort of lining up and, uh, yeah, th- that deal is just on the path to getting finished and getting signed. And we're going to hear about it probably before the end of the year, where Kojima is going to make a cloud-based game with Xbox. And what that looks like, I don't think 
you know, I don't know. I don't think Phil Spencer knows. I don't think Kojima <laughs> even really knows yet. Right. Um, but that it doesn't that doesn't matter, right? It's the the, the name Kojima is the thing that matters here. That's what yeah. everyone gets excited about. We get excited about his uh, not even real ARGs. We're imagining these imagining these ARGs because we're so excited about what, what Kojima could do next. Uh, but yeah, that's that seems to be what what's ha- happening now. That doesn't mean he couldn't um, also work with other companies like PlayStation. Obviously, he is. He's making the director's cut of death stranding for PlayStation five right now. Right. Finally, the, we get the zany stuff of that game. Included. Yeah. I mean, it was so straightforward for yeah. so long. I was like, yeah, he, he played it way too straightforward. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I think th- there's still a lot of possibilities for him to do other stuff. I, I'm sure he also wants to maintain a good relationship with Sony. Uh, but the person most ready to sign the check for the game that Kojima seems to want to make the most right now is, is Xbox. It's Satya Nadella's and they're going to, they're going to pay for that and have him come in and they're going to, Make sure he has the infrastructure to make it work by bringing in someone like Kim Swift. And, and I think that'll feel like a coup. I think that'll 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 will achieve exactly what Microsoft yeah. wants out of it, where it'll feel special and it'll feel like you know they've got this. And it's a, if it's a Game Pass Day One game, here's Hideo Kojima's Day One Game Pass. I think yep. that's a pretty big deal. Um, and just for the folks that are listening, if you're not familiar with the name Kim Swift, she is she has right. had a long career now, but she's most known probably for being one of the developers on Portal and Portal Two. Uh, she came in to work with Valve on that game and then worked at a whole bunch of places after that. Uh, Stadia but, most recently where she was, you know, their expert cloud designer and stuff, like right. overseeing a bunch of stuff. Like that didn't turn into much, but she clearly has expertise in that field. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's some, you know, speculation that that might mean that this Kojima game is like an episodic thing that's leveraging yeah. the cloud in some ways. Like, all remains to be seen, but fascinating stuff. And um, I think, you know, according to Jeff, we'll, we'll find out by the end of the year. So that's exciting. I think so. Yeah. Christian yeah, Spicer, seems- what, what is your story of the week? Well, aside from if EA's conference is a dud, people can't complain because we have to remember this excitement. This is the excitement. So if their EA play right. kind of falls flat with dead space at the end, you can't have your cake and eat it too. This is right. We're getting we didn't it now. say the name again. Right. We didn't say the name. And then, and then people just, they, it trended that weekend without us saying the name. And it's like, we were specifically trying to avoid that. <laughs> we didn't want to spoil it. And right. like, like I, I didn't get like an explicit go ahead from any sources to like confirm it or anything. And now it's like, it was that toothpaste was out of the tube so fast. It's like, Oh man. <laughs> and I do, I do feel bad. And it's not, not, uh, we do occasionally get a, uh, uh, frustrated responses from publishers. And, and this might be, it might've been like a situation like that. And I, I feel bad, but it's like, we were clearly not the only ones who knew it was like, yeah. that one was bubbling at the surface. People were wanting <laughs> to talk about it and they got just a little bit of a sniff and they're like, let's go for it. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, also, I get it. In, in your defense, you know, when they're saying that they're working on a, a, uh, you know, a, an IP, an EA IP that people have been wanting and bring you right. back. It's like, there's not that many. <laughs> right, we, we started joking because the reason, one of the reasons people thought we said dead space is because uh, Mike Minotti was like, uh, you know, for not dead first and uh, like, okay, yeah, I get it. He, he was saying what he was saying, but uh, like, like, no, now we're joking. Oh, he's talking about NBA Live because that's the game everyone wants to come back from EA. <laughs> right. It's like there's not a lot of other options there. There's right, a few. Yeah. I would love an NBA Street game, but that's not what they're doing here. That's, that's not, not what you would put motive. a motive on. <laughs> yeah. Right. We know what you're doing. Come on. You're yeah. right. That's a very right. good point. And my point also is just to, I feel like oftentimes, and I'm including myself in this as a fan, you'll watch a press conference and be like, well, it wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be. And it's like, well, no, dude, but you had two weeks of excitement of like Walmart Canada telling you everything. Like, So we're having the excitement. It's going to be a fun press conference and uh, we'll go from there. 
Yeah, I thought, thought Microsoft did a good job. Like there was a lot of stuff spoiled from Microsoft, right? And yet that yeah. shit was still very exciting. I thought they did a good job of presenting it, and that execution is like ninety percent of it. It's not what you're saying; it's how you're saying it, and they nailed that. And so it was still it was still great. And I think EA could absolutely do the same thing here. And really just, if we know Dead Space, we'll make sure that when you show Dead Space, there's still reasons to get excited. You could still right. do that. That can still be in your, like, that yeah. ball is still in your court. Don't just show yeah. us a logo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Metroid Prime 4 logo becomes right. Dead Space. Or it's like, oh, yeah. Gosh. Uh, yeah, I squealed for that, but now, now I'm, I'm feeling burned about that one. So I'm not going to squeal for a logo <laughs> for a few more years. <laughs> Until it's Kojima and Xbox. And then the, yeah. later this year, we'll all squeal again. <laughs> for me, Jeff, we were texting about this. Uh, for, for my story of the week is Windows 11. And it's a big story. We don't need to unpack Windows 11. Uh I think the the gaming specific story is how Microsoft is positioning this as the best windows ever for gaming and kind of a a revamping of, I'm I'm trying not to overstate it. Um, How do I put this? The windows store on PC is garbage. Um, How do I I put this (laughs) delicately? It has problems uh, with, with those apps and how they run. And uh, I know folks and myself included on an old PC about couldn't delete it. Uh, a game <laughs> and you had to when you go through all the help it's like have you tried reformatting the drive and it's like you made me load the game on my c drive Is that, <laughs> that's the fix here but with windows 11 it's going to allow dare i say regular games <laughs> to, to to run in the wrapper of windows 11 and game pass is going to be front and center and xbox is going to be a big part of what windows 11 is and I think that's super exciting because Game Pass is such the play for Microsoft. We talked about on last week's show how Microsoft's big ad right now isn't Halo Infinite this holiday. It's not Forza this holiday. It's not any one game. It's Game Pass. They have a very expensive ad buy running through the NBA playoffs that are advertising their subscription service. And so seeing Microsoft continue to double down on their, uh, I don't not their trademark play anywhere but playing your games anywhere uh you know xbox is available by creating a better xbox gaming experience on windows with windows 11 i think it's super exciting the only caveat for me personally is that their little i know still months away but their little can you run windows 11 diagnostic tells me i can't yeah i mean i've done i've done all the things on my on my brand brand new like couldn't be more brand new uh, yeah, I yeah, got it right before Cyberpunk came out uh, with, you know, the new Radeon chip, the new, you know, it's like, it's and not I've been in for like a BIOS power. And I've, yeah, and I've, my TPM, my TPS reports, everything. Okay, <laughs> you, you, so you did the TPM in the BIOS and everything? I did, and it's I still. I haven't yet on mine, but I'm, I, I have a feeling that's what it is, but. Uh, yeah, that's it, probably, it, uh, It's annoying it's, that that's like, come on, let, let's, let's think this through, giant billion dollar corporation. Let's make sure that when people download your little thing, it tells them why they can't run it not just eh, sorry no, no soup it, it, right for now you. it's right now it's you can't run it click here to learn the requirements and you click there and then i look at them all and i'm like i have all those i have right. all of those so but right. also windows 11 is far away my hope is that when the actual release comes out it's it's different and, and let's not kid ourselves uh i'm not installing windows 11 day one <laughs> right <laughs> you know yeah I mean? yeah like probably the not tech wise. Nerd in me 
yeah, the tech nerd in me wanted to like uh, make sure I can run it, but that just made me stay up really late on Thursday night yeah. or whatever it was. Well, let's the let's exciting news is the gaming news. Yeah, let's drill down into into those specific things. So you mentioned Game Pass. We don't know exactly how it's going to be integrated into Windows 11, but all indications are that it will be very much part of the OS, which I think is is cool as you as you outlined. Uh, but there's a couple of other things too. This auto HDR feature, which we've seen on some Xbox games, now will be part of Windows 11 so that uh, designers, developers will not have to specifically add HDR capabilities to back catalog stuff that uh, DirectX 11 or higher can auto uh, apply HDR effects if you have an HDR monitor. A lot of people don't. Um, But that is very, very cool. HDR, I think is a much more dramatic improvement to games than even Absolutely. 4K. Yeah, definitely it's gorgeous. Uh, and then, of course, I, the one I'm super excited about, but also has a caveat, is uh, this direct storage idea, which, you know, everything we've heard about this new generation of consoles, the biggest feature is no loading times, fast SSDs, this idea that we really loading times are a thing of the past. Ratchet & Clank, proof of that. Yeah. Uh, incredible when you go to a new planet in Ratchet and Clank and it's just instantly there. It's really cool. Wait, but, I haven't left my home planet. There's more planets on Ratchet <laughs> <laughs> uh, So this direct storage feature in Windows 11 will allow people with uh, NVMe SSDs to boot games like the consoles are doing, basically uh, removing loading times. Um, but some reporting on this is that it's going to be limited by very specific uh, hardware requirements. So the SSD you already have, even if it's NVMe, might not support this. Remains to be seen, but I do think it's a good thing to put at the OS level, um, which is pretty cool. And then, of course, the final thing is Android apps, or at least a subset of Android apps, will be supported directly in Windows. So a lot of games there will be just playable on your on your PC. You have to buy them, of course, but... Jeff, which of these, or first of all, are you excited about this concept, yeah. and which of these I think are you most into? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the most exciting thing is uh, is the store changes and bringing in a- uh, Amazon's App Store for Android apps uh, because it's not just that they're also like letting app uh, app developers bring in their own commerce engines which basically means you can like bring in your own credit card p- payment processing stuff and microsoft won't take any any money from you at all unless you're a game in which case they will stay, still take 12% but that's not that's specifically not 30% which is what apple takes which is what steam takes steam's yeah. got a little bit of wiggle room there uh, so the the um the pricing platform wars thing is 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 ongoing and it's happening and it's heating up in a way that's like Microsoft and Amazon teaming up to like really kind of go after uh, uh you know both the Apple App Store but also Google. Uh, there's a lot of potential there to shake things up and um I, I like this because while uh, the Microsoft Store does stink, it's very bad. It, you know, it still uses the Windows 8 code. Like that's yeah. why it's so bad because they made Universal it for Windows, Windows app or whatever yeah. they are. It's yeah. like, and, this, and, yeah. And they've changed that now. So now you can, now apps are packaged as win 32, which basically just means they're not packaged as like tablet apps for, you know, that's the simplest <laughs> way to put it, which is a wild thing that they were doing, but they were doing it that way. So now like now the store is going to make a lot more sense to just say, Hey, I do want to go and, and just install something really simply. And yeah, I know I can go on the browser and I can get something, but the store is right there. And, and, and a lot of times I go and do that. And c- these companies don't put their things on the store because they don't want to share the money with Microsoft. And I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I don't blame them for not wanting to do that. This completely flips that where 
I think it's going to be very likely we're going to find most apps going forward in the store and it's going to be a lot more convenient. Uh, it's going to it's going to feel a lot more like a mobile phone experience. And that's important. Uh, and then in terms of gaming, if they can get more games onto the store in a way that just feels like native and feels comfortable and it's not like this miserable experience where you're getting conflicts of authentication errors and stuff like that, which is a problem that I think a lot of people have had with the old Windows store. Uh, yeah. We could have something that feels even more like a, a, a competitor to Steam than what Epic is doing because it is baked into the OS. And then there is this Game Pass option right there that says, hey, yeah, here are all the games on the store and you see how much they cost here. That's the price. But just look a little bit to your left and now just pay this one price and you get all of those games. Yeah, uh, it's going to feel like it's going to feel pretty the, big major the, right there on the OS. The more you're in the store, the more you see what they want you to see. And I think yeah. that, like what you said there, Jeff, at the end is, I think, super key because they want it. It's like when you're on Xbox, you're seeing what Microsoft wants you to see, right? You're in their yeah. store. You can go buy the game or you can play it for free now on Game Pass. And you're going to I think you're going to start seeing that on the OS level on Windows 11 and good, you know, <laughs> like to some extent, I think because they're not locking out. You can still go on to the Internet. You yeah. can still I mean, the store is baked into my Windows 10 machine right now. I just don't use it because it's <laughs> it's not good. But if Microsoft makes this thing a value add for consumers and developers, I think that's a real plus. And I love Steam. Uh, I have a bunch of free games from the Epic Game Store. I've certainly bought a number of games. The game we'll be talking about, I think, later. You're playing on a different system, and I'm very excited to, to hear about it. But that was an Epic purchase for me. But I, I like the idea of Microsoft having a competitive storefront um, a modern competitive storefront that shakes it up like you said yeah. also just, oh go ahead jeff yes yeah, so i just don't want it to be miserable anymore really because yeah. it really is bad it's like <laughs> it's we just get to a point where it's usable and i feel comfortable installing apps really quickly i'll be happy and then if they figure out some business to go along with it good for them and i can move them and they're not locked to my seat it's like right yeah. anyway yeah. oh yeah and miserable <laughs> and also you know it's interesting i think we all thought that halo infinite was going to be an xbox series launch title turns out it's a microsoft windows 11 launch title yeah uh, which I, and i think that i i say that tongue-in-cheek a bit but i also think there's a genuine point to be made there which is we may never know the numbers but it'll be interesting to see how the distribution of halo infinite players launching on windows day and date with the console version, how many people are playing on PC. And I think it could be the kind of thing where <laughs> windows 11 and its gaming features actually benefit from having a title that's coming out at the same time. You know, you have game pass integrated into your PC. You can get halo day one on game pass. It made all actually work out really well for Microsoft in a kind of a backwards way. And to be clear, you do not need Windows 11 to play Halo Infinite. No, of course not. Run, but, but you don't yes, even need an like, Xbox Series to run Halo Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> well, all you need is a browser at some point, right? Baked right. into your TV, which is pretty incredible. Well, that's um, the other thing I didn't even mention uh, with Windows 11 is how much the cloud uh, Xbox Cloud uh, will be integrated also into the OS. And so you'll have, you know laptops and things that aren't gaming PCs at all, being able to stream games. Uh, and I think, I think it's all, it's all coming together in a way that is really smart. And if you had asked me five years ago, who would be the one to do it? I would never have guessed Microsoft, 
but because five years ago, Windows 2000 still felt too recent, even though <laughs> yeah. it was 20 years ago. It, it, right. This company, is, it, it's the one rare instance where a giant company made one product and made money in one very specific way where it was selling software at retail and to OEMs uh, saw the future a little bit and was like, we need to shift into something. And the Internet was obviously a thing where they did get a little bit steamrolled by some other companies like Google. But they they leapfrogged and were like services, services on the yeah. internet. And they and they made this transition in a way that you don't actually ever see from a giant company. These giant companies usually don't figure out their second life in this way. And it's been yeah. it's been fascinating for them to like define their future now in a way that's like, hey, we can make services work for games too. Let's just do that and let's let, let that define how we're doing everything, including how we distribute apps on Windows, which is just it's yeah. kind of baffling. But that's you know, it is a gaming focused sort of uh, idea here where we're like we're going to make money from services and selling stuff to the consumer. And that's going to be game centric. That's yeah. pretty impressive that they are, are thinking that far ahead. And it's defining how they're releasing windows because windows 11 right. will be this free upgrade. I mean, when has that ever happened? Right. It's, right. it's, it's that's think, pretty remarkable windows, too. I think windows 10 was, like was if you had windows uh, eight, you got it for yeah. free for, for a few oh, months or a year. I think it's how it worked. I mean, that was all part yeah. of the same story that they're telling now where now it's yeah. like, we just want everyone on Windows. We're not really going to charge for Windows. We don't really care about charging. For, yeah, we're still going to sell it to you, and, and we, you can still buy it. But mostly, if you install it, you could install it for free, and we're just going to put a little emblem in your corner and say, hey, please pay for this and activate this. But really, yeah. we just want to be selling you services like Office and stuff like that and and uh, and, right. and Game Pass, and that's going to be the key. We want you to look at what we want you to look at, and we're going to incentivize you to do it this way. And then... I am nervous for when Game Pre Game Pass becomes like thirty dollars a month, and I still think it's the best value in gaming. Yeah. And like at some point now, it just keeps getting so good, it's scary. It's real good. That's still a long ways off that price increase that people are worried about. <laughs> but right now, we're paying seventy dollars for games, so prices are going to go up in different ways. But yeah, yeah, a ways yeah. off. Yeah. My story of the week. Uh, we were talking about things in press conferences that were unexpected or things that were expected or surprises. There was one surprise, this E3, that I didn't see coming. And that was uh, seeing Avatar Frontiers of Pandora as the uh, <laughs> last game at Ubisoft's uh, Ubisoft Forward, their, their E3 press conference. And now we get some more information about Avatar. I, I may be the last American that still loves this movie with my whole heart. Uh, I, no, I I'm team culturally relevant, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, there, I'm right there with you. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and I'm excited about Frontiers of Pandora. I think it's the perfect company to be making a big open world action adventure game, obviously. And uh, Massive is a great studio. Now there is a, this week there was a uh, sort of a, I wouldn't say deep dive, but a slightly deeper dive in the, tech that will be utilized to bring Avatar Frontiers of Pandora to life. The upgrade to the Snowdrop engine. We've seen Snowdrop uh, ever since the Division. I think Division was the first game to use it. Maybe, maybe it was a little earlier than that. Anyway, it's been the proprietary Ubisoft engine for a long time. Very beautiful engine, capable of uh, really attractive games. And it looks like these upgrades are really going to be uh, front and center for Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. This is not going to be a cross-gen game. It is going to be squarely released on next or current-gen consoles and PC and streaming devices. Um, and it looks like there's good reason for that. They're talking about how they have a new advanced microdata system in the engine that allows them to put thousands more assets on screen at a time. They showed footage of these beautifully lush 
jungle and garden environments that you know are emblematic of of avatar uh and it has uh new shaders that let let them do things like uh you know create that bioluminescent effect in, a, in really dramatic ways it's going to be all ray traced um lots of really cool stuff they're talking about a more sophisticated npcs who react to the world uh, procedurally they talk about how they react to the time of day and and circumstances so it'll be more sophisticated that way I, i'm genuinely excited about this game i don't know if you had a chance to see this presentation jeff but i'd love to hear your thoughts uh, I, I caught up on it in some reporting later and kind of read up on what people thought of when they watched it and uh it, to me, the first thing I go to is that stuff with the NPCs and the more complicated reactions to the world. I I, I always wonder if the reason we haven't got that stuff – well, I, I know in part it's because of the tech. The last-gen consoles were – and I've said this repeatedly on my shows and stuff. They were, they were bad when they launched. They were, It was bad hardware. Those CPUs were old, like basically netbook CPUs. They, they were just – they were junk. And, and so developers didn't even try last-gen to really mo- move things forward in terms of – complexity and simulation and reactive AI and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I always went, okay, yeah, l- let's get that tech. Let's get to a world where we do have Ryzen CPUs in these next, in the next gen hardware. And that, that these are like really powerful, you know, cutting edge CPUs. Um, okay. So now we have the hardware. Are you going to have like the time and, and the budget to actually do that stuff? That's the thing I'm not convinced is actually there yet. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they were, they were hardware restrained, but I also think the biggest thing is a budget restraint, a scope restraint. And if this is, is if this comes out and it delivers, I'm going to be ecstatic. This is the kind of stuff that I, I dream of. I want games to get more complicated in that direction. And yeah. I think that these, the hardware is going to enable that. Um, I just don't know if like, the time and the physics of getting hundreds of humans to work together to make a project like that is actually going to come together in this way. And I wouldn't be surprised if this game gets delayed, but I hope, I hope that these are the kind of promises that we get. And I hope some games start really delivering on it. That's very exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, it's also the kind of thing that doesn't show well in a trailer or a piece of marketing, right? It's like sophisticated AI is a great bullet point, but you have to play it in order to really understand if it's, if it's a game changer and more pretty graphics really pop in a trailer. Yeah. And, and those are things that are, I think, have always plagued the game industry, or at least in the last, you know, 15 years. It's, we can put a lot of resources and time and energy, as you were talking about, into making a more sophisticated AI system. But is that actually going to equate into more people playing our game? Is that something we can actually sell the game on? And it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard thing. But I'm I th- like I you, you, I think that layer as that gets more sophisticated is going to make games more and more immersive. And I think we'll open them up to more and more people as well, because it won't feel so binary. It won't feel so, right. you know, kill or be killed that there'll be much more nuance in how you interact in these interactive worlds. Yeah. Games got very good at telling straightforward narrative stories in the last few years. Very, uh, still very poor at, uh, at telling like, equivalent equivalent sort of emergent stories we have a lot of emergent stories that are silly and fun and you go tell your friends about all those all these weird things you did in chivalry too or whatever uh, right. we don't have like the emergent storytelling We're like this thing happened i didn't expect and no one planned and it made me cry that stuff hasn't happened yet and maybe this is maybe we're going to get there but i wouldn't mind if we just make a nudge in that direction i would be very excited about that yeah speak about like the thing with the graphics uh, that goes back to like uh, you know the uh the the Commodore 64 and like it, it had like different <laughs> systems, like screenshots on the back of the box. Cause they yeah. were just like lying to people in the marketing. That's like yeah. ancient. And you know, we, 
are probably going to start getting away from that a little bit because games are have reached that peak where like they kind of just can't look any better and selling games on a screenshot is still going to work but it's going to be less effective than i think it ever has been before and this stuff might actually move the needle a little bit yeah i hope you're right i think that would be wonderful it's where Uh, as we've moved to things more like the nintendo direct you know trademark style presentation is where i think now you are seeing developers and publishers being able to sell these complex AIs. Cause it's not just a trailer. Yeah. You're going to do like a 30 minute hands-on with avatar frontiers of Pandora. And people will watch that and you'll, you'll run a, a situation four times through. I mean, crisis did that way back when. And at the time that was kind of revolutionary about how you could approach your takedowns and, and do things like that. And so I think we will see more of that as a selling point. And I think getting it out to influencers and press and letting them run it eight different ways. I think that will, easily start becoming the talking point for games that utilize that. Um, and if there ever was a, a studio that could throw a hundred people at it, uh, it is Ubisoft, right? Like they, (laughs) they have the hundreds of people. And then, uh, Jeff, to your point about, you know, the CPU that we finally have that tech to kind of be able to push this. Mm -hmm. I think the good thing is that because it was so dated for so long, I don't think avatar needs to be, we're going to get better. Right. right. I think Avatar can be good enough to still feel, I mean, again, assuming what they're saying isn't just marketing fluff, but like, I think Avatar could be good enough to feel leaps and bounds better. And I then agree. two years from now, we'll be like, I can't believe we thought Avatar was good. But I mean, the Ubisoft games are incredible and big and what you were able to do in Watch Dogs 3 was mind blowing, but taking over any NPC. So there was enough to distract us. But like at the core, the AI is just five jokes and people getting bumped into, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? So anything that's above that, I think will feel really, really cool. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we'll be there in 2022. When's that next movie come out real quick? Uh, I think it's supposed to be 2022 as well. I think, I think those coincide, but who knows? I mean, it's been delayed so many times. Of course. Right. I hope it all comes together and we can, we can show Dave Chen. What's what exactly. That is my only my only desire in life. Yeah, Jeff doesn't really like Avatar. It's more just a personal grudge at this I mean, point against Dave. Yeah, of course, yeah. I get that. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is ExpressVPN. I've been using ExpressVPN way before they were sponsoring this show. And we all know how VPNs protect your privacy and security online, but... You can also use a VPN to take your TV watching, your, your, your enjoyment of media to the next level because you can use your VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Like, for example, do you want to watch Doctor Who on UK Netflix? It's simple. You just fire up ExpressVPN, the app, change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. Are you super into anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. ExpressVPN can do it. And ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So if you can imagine all the different Netflix libraries you can go through, sky's the limit. Uh, and there are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that I use ExpressVPN as my VPN is because it's fast. And that's why I was using ExpressVPN before they were ever a sponsor. It is fast. And, and some VPNs really can slow down and throttle your, your connection. 
but I've never experienced buffering or lag with ExpressVPN. I can still stream in HD, no problem. And ExpressVPN is compatible with all your devices, iPhones, any kind of smartphone, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. You can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit the exclusive link for DLC, which is expressvpn.com slash DLC, and you can get an extra three months for free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash DLC, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash DLC. You can learn more there as well. Check it out. Three months free on a one-year package. That is loud. Uh, (laughs) I found the volume knob uh, for the first time. Uh, Jeff, let's talk about the games that we have been playing. What is on your playlist? Yeah, I've been playing that uh, that Mario Golf and the Tony Hawk on the Switch. So I've been I spent a lot of time with the Switch. I always spend a lot of time with my Switch, but uh, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with both. I think that um, I'll start with Mario Golf. People set my expectations right. I we, we I didn't get an early copy, so I was reading the reviews like everybody else, and people kind of downplayed the adventure mode, which I didn't have my hopes up too high for. Originally, everyone likes that uh, the you know the Game Boy Advance sort of uh, the RPG modes that Camelot yeah. put into those Mario Golf games. I never expected that they were going to do anything like that again. So I'm not disappointed that this does feel kind of like an extended tutorial where I'm like, okay, I'm still at least leveling up my character and that feels nice. The numbers are going up. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Uh, but the golf feels real good. And uh, I think that I'm having fun with, it. I think the mechanics are all still real solid and I'm going to go online and play with my friends. I think the new um, speed rush mode where you are actually just running, it's like, you know, combining golf with Mario Kart, but you're, you know, you're running, uh, and, and you actually run across the course and that stuff's actually really fun. They really nailed that. It's, um, it's a cool way to go and make it feel like a much more active sort of a uh, frantic golf game. And, uh, it, it really comes together on that side of things. Uh, I've, I'm probably not going to stick with it like in a like a, a major way for a long period of time, but as like a good distracting Mario sports game, I, I think it's okay. I think it's pretty solid. But, but why, why Jeff, why can't we have that? Our, like, I feel like you yeah. talk to people that are of a certain age, those Camelot Mario golf games are on a pedestal as being the pinnacle of that franchise. And I love Nintendo. If you, people that listen to this show for a long time, know I love me some Nintendo, but I don't get, I feel like there's sport. Maybe I should be happy that their sports franchises are continuing. Whereas we talked about NBA street right. and those games aren't, but I feel like, you know, Mario Tennis, great game of tennis on, on Switch, but very bare bones. And they added to it over, you know, the years. But it's like they had a really good other tennis game. And like Mario Golf, apparently very good, very fun modes. But what do we have to, like, what Mario plushie do I need to murder <laughs> to get this RPG mode back? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, at a certain point, it feels like, you know, we're we're a lifetime away from those games, right? Like, I, I think I, I associate that Mario Golf game with the first time I kissed a girl. Like, it was that long ago. <laughs> it's like, that, and like that's, you know, 20 years. Like, that's, uh, I was a whole other person back then. Uh, and so we've we've gotten multiple entries in the series that haven't had this stuff. I think inside Nintendo, they just don't associate this series with that in the same, that, same way that we do. Uh, and I think a big part of it is, like, when they when they do scope out what these games should be and who they should be for, um, 
does an RPG mode really check the box for the person that Nintendo imagines is going to be playing this game? Uh, especially on the Switch, a game, a system that sold 85, 90 million you know, units. Uh, I think they're, they're thinking like, most people aren't going to play an RPG mode. Most people want a party game. Mario Party mm-hmm. sold 15 million copies on the Switch. That's the wow. person who's going to be buying Mario Golf on, on the Switch. And we want them to be able to sit down with their family and play a fun party mode. That's who we're making this game for. And All I heard is that if I stop kissing my wife, I'll get an RPG mode. Yeah, no, so right. she'll yeah, gotta be go, upset. I'm going to go back to that innocence, man. It's because <laughs> we lost our innocence, really. Nintendo's punishing us. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I think that um, we're going to have to just look to indie games. We're going to have to look to Sports Story and ask them to please give us, give us what we want. Because um, I... It's a great idea still. I think, um, you know, if you like look to anime, there's like a million sports animes. I think it kind of, kind of feels like that similar niche where people are like, I just want to like get these like a, a crew together and like you see the numbers go up, but also have a little bit of a story and be invested in them. Um, and I think that that stuff can still w- really work in games. Just Nintendo is not going to be the source. Uh, it's And that's a bummer, but it's, it's just not going to happen. And that's kind of the story of Nintendo, right, too, where it's like that's a bummer. We, we, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we just, yeah, we just kind of, we kind of accept what they give us and we're like, oh, you know, this is just what they're going to do. And that's fine. I guess since still Nintendo, so I'm still going to buy it. And that's yeah. how I feel about it. So, you know, once my so analog true. pocket gets here, I'll stop harp- harping on it. Uh, yeah. I, I could yeah, play it on my SP. I have my SP. I have, I have Mario Golf Advance in it, but it's like, I mean, this isn't a game that any of us are playing. I do want to hear about Tony Hawk on switch, but it's like the same thing that wasn't, I guess it's a story of this week but the lengths people are going to to try to play old Metroid games after getting hyped for Metroid Dread were like, you know, I don't know how many games were being bought on the Wii U eShop, but those old GBA games were at the top of the Wii U eShop because people were just trying to play. They, they don't exist anywhere. A current, again, you know, my kids cannot play the, cannot play this, finish the story that Dread is going to complete. They cannot play those games up to dreads release they can play one and super on the nintendo switch online service and i maybe think maybe about the Christian's gba kids, version nintendo. of nintendo <laughs> thank you it's thank for you. the children thank you it, well, and it's for the olds because i want to play them too yeah. it's 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 baffling but it, you know certainly again it's just kind of right it's disappointing because it's nintendo it's weird nintendo decisions it's uh uh i don't know for me i've gone and i've looked at the oh, emulation world <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> play them off play I'm them so off sorry. all right thank oh, you everybody it. no right. it's <laughs> that again sorry no, it's it's. Uh, I'm loving this. The energy here is actually chaotic in the way I love. Um, no, it's just wonderful. Uh, I, I went. I got a Retroid Pocket, uh, and it's it's basically a little emulation handheld thing. One of these you know these great little Chinese systems that they sell yeah. for super cheap. It's it runs Android, so you can just go on the Android Google Play Store, get all the emulators from there. And I've been playing. I've been playing a couple of Metro games, but it actually they sent it with. It, it includes another Metroid Two re- remake, AM2R built oh, yeah. into the thing. So like, that's the game that like Nintendo, uh, you know, copyright stroke struck off the internet, but it comes built into this system. So I'm just, I've been playing that and really enjoying it. It's um, there are ways to go out there and I, I, that's the, yeah, that, that is the real thing with Nintendo. Don't rely on Nintendo. This is your nostalgia. Take ownership of it. Go online and pirate some old video games. I think that's that's my stance. Like, this is your nostalgia. Nintendo, if they don't want to be involved with it, that's their choice. You take ownership of it and go out there and get those games which in, in, in any way you can. That's how I feel. I got that game for Christmas in 1993. Yeah, I already bought it multiple times. <laughs> yeah, they got their money from me. Their blood money. I don't think that's what blood money is, but I, I just like saying it. Yeah. 
Amazing. Uh, well, T- T- Tony Hawk me. Tony Jeff. Hawk. I need, yeah, let's, I, need to, yes. I have it on Epic. I love it. I'm a huge Tony Hawk fan. I loved this remake. I hated five. However old that came out, there's yeah. probably like five podcasts worth of me dogging that game. Oh, same. Do I rebuy this on Switch? Is it is it real nice? You know, it's it is a forty dollar game, and I think that's right on the borderline of. I think it is probably if you really love Tony Hawk, uh, I would rebuy it. I'm I'm glad that they sent me a copy, so I got to send a copy. But uh, I've been playing it nonstop. It's a really good port. It works really well on the Switch. Um, the thing is, I, I wasn't sure if it, if the controls would feel good at like thirty frames per second, but I think they are doing the thing where. Even though the game and the graphics, the visuals are up, uh, updating at 30, 30 hertz, I think the controls are updating at 60 hertz, so it still feels really smooth, and that's that's like a really smart way of doing things. Mm. And then there is uh, the, the one big bad thing is the reloads when you're in a level. And I don't know how – the way I play Tony Hawk is I try to do a very specific, like, line or try to do a very specific, uh, you know, challenge – and so I'm restarting a lot. And this has like five to seven second reload times. Mm. And I know people hear that and they're like, that's nothing, Jeff. Why are you complaining? It, in Tony Hawk, that's uh, I think it's unacceptable. I think, that, you know, from, from the beginning, we had almost instant reloads in Tony Hawk, uh, even yeah. on a PlayStation CD based system. So <laughs> to kind of go backwards on that. And that's one of my biggest issues with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5. There's a lot of problems with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5, but the long reload times was a major one for me. And so the, the fact that this has the same problem is, is a bummer. But uh, I... I I'm almost willing to overlook it here just because it is running so well on a handheld. And it's like, you know, in a certain situation where you're playing on a handheld, um, your options are, you know, deal with the reload times or don't play it at all. And it, and when I'm given that choice, I'm like, okay, I'll deal with the reload times. But that's that, that doesn't mean they're not an issue. But overall, it's a really good port. I think it's such a good point to bring up, though, because when you have even that five to seven seconds, it just disincentivizes me to even attempt to challenge again. I'm just like, well, I two minute run times, seven seconds is like 5% of that run time. And that's assuming that you're going through the whole run at two minutes. It's a lot. Yeah. Very good point. So Christian, you're going to, are you going to rebuy it? Are you going to stick with, I mean, I do have some, I do have a big one road trip got canceled or else I priority would have, because I'd be two road trips. I do have a road trip coming up. It's so it's so good. What I wanted, this is, you know, Christian wanting things segment, I guess. What I wanted is a, like a little treat, a bonus of those old GBA games on there. Again, I have my GBA. I can play it. But those are such fun. I, I love those stuff like great. that. Great. Yes. And I love like, like Crash got those bonus levels. And I was hoping that mm-hmm. Activision would like throw a wink to Nintendo. But I'm super excited. Apparently it is. It's a great port. And I love I love this game. If it means we might get a real good Tony Hawk Pro, Pro Skater 6... I'll give them 40 bucks. I think Sounds like they're working on it. That's the rumor is that's the rumor. Um, It's real nice. Jeff, you've also been playing a game that all three of us have been playing this week. It's brand new or at least new to PC. uh, And that is Lego builders journey. Tell me about that. Yeah. So this is a a really clever little puzzle game where uh, you, you don't necessarily control like a Lego minifig. You're controlling a little person made out of Lego. So it's not like a minifig. It's just like a even more, um, uh, figurative than that yeah, uh, abstract, a, yeah. a more abstract thank you yeah and it's um it's basically about moving the character from one side of the map to the other by placing lego pieces but it gets really more clever than i was expecting uh, a big thing here though the bigger the attraction for me is with a 3080 ti on this machine back here per- turning on the rtx stuff turning on the dlss so you still get a good frame rate and just marveling at the way it looks they have uh, the material the material technique that, that they use in there to make it look like real legos and then to have the real-time lighting, it is uh, it is stunning. It is gorgeous. Uh, I put on the TBI to in-laws in town last week, 
And well, you know, my, my sister-in-law is a big Lego fan and uh, had put it on there and just kind of letting her play. And she just got lost in it for a real, real long time. And I'm like, that's exactly what I expected to happen where you just put this game in front of a Lego fan and they're going to get lost in it. Cause it just looks so pretty, but then it plays in a way that I think is, is really solid. Um, uh, it's not like the most mind bending uh, puzzle game ever made, but I think it's also doing a really good stuff with its narrative where it is um, not trying to hit you with a bunch of text boxes. It's not telling it going to have like long cutscenes. There's just little motions that the characters do when they're interacting with each other or when they're going to do these things. Like it, you, know, you get the sense that the dad is like going off to work and can't be with the kid anymore. And he's yeah. doing this routine stuff while the kid's trying to explore and learn the world. And it was really affecting. It really hit me. And I, I really enjoyed beautiful. it. Yeah. It's beautiful on a number of levels. As you say, it's beautiful thematically. It's absolutely beautiful. If you have a, a ray tracing video card on your PC, holy smokes. It, I was, I would say it looks photo real, but I've never taken a photo of my Lego that looked as pretty, right? It's, yeah. it's photo real if you had like a photo studio, you know, it's, a, yes. it's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Stuffed. It's not like they're brand new out of package bricks. It's like yeah. they're kind of lived in bricks, which is really cool. And, and the, the water sound is animates. so perfect. It's like it, it clinks together just right. And correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's just a feeling I get, but it feels like there's multiple solutions to a lot of the puzzles. Yes. You can like think outside the box a bit or put Legos in a slightly different configuration and it'll still work. And I love that because that it's that feeling of like, oh, I'm clever. I came up with a, a way that maybe it wasn't the number one way to come up, you know, to, to solve this. Um, and I think it feels still, aligned with Lego, right? Though it feels like that's what like yes. Lego is always trying to say, like, "Hey, go be creative." And right. the fact that they didn't lock it down to one solution, I think, was a really smart move. Totally, well said. Uh, no and I love that crackle to make it one solution. And Lego crackle? No, yeah, Lego movie? No, maybe? Huh? The crackle? Uh, no. Oh, right, the crackle. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the other thing you brought up is that they didn't use the the minifig, which I think is such an interesting choice. Uh, I w- I'm so curious as to how that came to be because it just seems so obvious to do the minifigs yeah. and yet it's really effective to have it more abstracted. And like you said, it's not, you're not seeing the, you know, Lego movie style face animations that are so, uh, you know, so associated with Lego and we understand so explicitly, like you said, it, it is much more, uh, this kind of performance art thing where these things yeah. are kind of just moving and animated in very subtle, beautiful ways, but still convey emotion. Very um, suggestive. It's like very, and like yeah. you can interpret it. Uh, it. It like makes you feel part of the storytelling in a way that maybe a minifig wouldn't necessarily like, Oh, you're like, Oh, they are trying to convey something here. Like, what is it? And like, you get to put something of yourself into it because it is so abstract. And then the, 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 I think then when you take something out of it, it's all the more powerful and it, it really works for me. Totally yeah, agree. It does two other things as well. Where I remember reading about this game, which we're all playing on PC now, uh, but it's originally an Apple Arcade release. So if you don't have, it's right. I think it plays wonderfully on on the on your device, uh, either on your phone or you can you on know, do it on your too, Apple TV. And, it, or and I played it on Switch, and it works great there too. So yeah, I mean, get it where you can get it. I think it's it's well worth the time. But I think the the abstracted character was kind of a signal that this is a more adult game. Like it's not. You know, rated M for mature, but it's not a Lego. It's not Lego star Wars. I think they wanted to try to convey that, that this is a different type of game. And it also allows for the way that you solve the levels, which is by moving those yellow one, uh, knock pieces around. Whereas like a minifig could technically, you know, walk or click anywhere. And here your abstracted little figure is just a a couple of cylinder, uh, bricks. And so you have this 
bespoke piece that you need to move through the level. The thing I found most interesting, having played a, a lot of this on Apple Arcade, and then now um, I got a code for this and playing it uh, with ray tracing, and then also my favorite cloud uh, streaming service, um, GeForce Now, I imagine there are other games that are like this, but this is the first time I've experienced it. It's not on GeForce Now on mobile. And I imagine that's because of some licensing yeah. deal where like on mobile it's Apple Arcade. But I was so excited to revisit the game with ray tracing on mobile. <laughs> and I was sitting there, I had like a five minute of like opening uh, GeForce Now on my computer and being like, there's the game. I've played the game. Getting my phone, the game's not there. Searching the library. It, it, it took me like 10 times of doing that before I went to the actual press release <laughs> and saw that it was like GeForce Now PC only, which I think is super fascinating because the idea of cloud gaming is kind of anywhere. Play it anywhere yeah. on any device. And yeah. now we're starting yeah. to get some asterisks. Yeah, but you know, those lawyers are everywhere too, man. And they'll find a way. <laughs> so they'll true. find a way. Yep. So true. Lawyers find a, yep, that's exactly <laughs> the line. Yep. Uh, the other last thing I'll say about uh, Lego, Lego Builder's journey is I love how zen it is and how peaceful an experience. I think the music's lovely. Um, there's a lot of subtle sort of movement of the environment, and they do that wonderful thing where any animated environment is basically swapping out actual Lego pieces to create animation, uh, which you would be familiar yes. with from the Lego movie. Like mm-hmm. there's stuff with a water moving, you know, and the, and the little pieces are, are riffling and, and shuffling and they all have that Lego sound to them. It just, it brings me to a very calm, happy place playing this game. And I would recommend it to someone if they're looking for that kind of feeling. It's like at the end of the night, I put on this game, I put on my headphones and it just feels nice. I like it a lot. And you can leave Agreed. the game on. Don't have to worry about stepping on it. You know, like there's a lot. <laughs> yes. So true. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Christian, what is on your playlist? Yeah, there's a few things uh, I can kind of talk about here. One, Jeff, let's, let's start. Mr. Kanata, there's a game that's on our co-playlist. So do you want to yes. start there? Or do you want me to run through some other stuff? First? Yeah, let's talk. You're talking about Dark Alliance. I am talking about with the dungeon master extraordinaire himself. I'm talking about Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. So if you can't. <laughs> I will take this game through the mud if you don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm happy to do it myself. This might be one of my biggest disappointments in recent years. I was really looking forward to this game. I was super excited about it. Um, it's a it's a it's a letdown on a number of levels. I mean, one of the things we we did have a whole big discussion in the last segment about how excited we were for AI going forward and, and you know how this Avatar game is talking about mm-hmm. AI and how we all hope for AI to be better poster child for why it needs to be improved is dungeons and dragons dark alliance holy smoke are the enemies dumb and i get it you know a lot of them are goblins and orcs and things that are not supposed to have very high and, int and scores but give this me a break. is a diablo-esque like it's that style of game it's not but i mean it's yeah, I played I mean, an hour, I, and that was an hour longer than i wish i did if that it is sense. real it is not good the combat isn't good the loot isn't it does the thing that we just watched anthem fail and one of the big reasons that it did was because the way it handled loot was you get loot on the battlefield but you just get like a a placeholder thing that you have to go and then turn into an actual loot later out outside the the confines of when you're playing so you get all these like i don't know what it is is it useful is it garbage who knows i won't find out till later i don't get to put on new cool boots or 
uh, have a new cool weapon now. I have to wait until I'm done with this mission, then go and figure out what it is. And this game does the exact same thing. It's like, come on, it's terrible. It, it is, that's, so the combat isn't good. The loot isn't good. The AI isn't good. The environments are fine. It doesn't, it's not an ugly game. It's nothing to write home about. Uh, the ultimate the solid last gen game. It looks like a early Xbox. I mean, it doesn't look bad, but, it's it, but the, anima- the animations make it look bad. Like that's, yeah. that's the weird, like the orcs slaps its butt a hundred times and then stands there. And then your character, or I've played as the elf and he's like in this hunch. And I'm like, Ooh, that guy has back problems. Like that's going to be a sore, <laughs> a sore warrior at the end of this. It's just, it's very flat, which is disappointing because I think, this is what I was thinking, uh, Mr. Kanata, as I was playing it, is that Dungeons & Dragons has almost had every other game eat its lunch. Like, the best Dungeons & Dragons game I've ever played, I think, is Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, it's like what these games are or, you know, can be. And I get that there can be more RPG heavy, and I know you have your favorite, and I know you'll toss it out. But like I mean, Baldur's Gate. Right. Every <laughs> game has taken that, though, right? Like, when you say like Horizon Zero Dawn, do I use it as my example? People don't think of that as like a D and D air quote inspired game, but it's leveling, it's uh, going on different missions, it's finding things in the world, it's resourcing, it's crafting, and so many games do it so well that it's not enough for Dark Alliance to just do those and and not do them as well as every other game. Yeah. And, and I know it's being sold as a co-op experience and anything is, you know, if you're playing with your friends, there's almost anything can be fun, mm-hmm. but this game is just, it, it's not great. And I played with some friends. It was fine. I mean, you, you're hanging out with your friends. It's going to be fun anyway. So there may be some joy <laughs> in just having a game that's on game pass that you don't have to buy. If you already subscribed to game pass, you know, it's, it's not utter you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater because there might be some, but yeah. there's just so many better games that do this better. It's well, hard I'll, to recommend. I'll transition us out of this into another game that's on Game Pass that is fun with friends. And as promised, I donned my pirate hat and I live that pirate's life. I'm still fairly early in Sea of Thieves pirate life. I played some solo and some uh, squatted up. The reason I'm not as far in this game as I otherwise would be is that my kids love watching it. So <laughs> it's like, dad, you can't play without me. And I'm like, you're in Aww. virtual summer school. I'm going to play uh, <laughs> this real push. Like you, you're on your computer. Let me be on mine. Um, I don't know uh, if either of you have, have played this. It's fantastic. The I was early, playing again, I'm, that's what I was doing right before I got on the call with you guys as I was playing. I'm the sorry first you had to join that. us. Yeah, <laughs> it's so I was good. having a very good time. It, it's really good. It's really good. I didn't know Sea of Thieves got this good. I had heard a lot of people really like it, but I didn't know it got like, this is just like solid, fun content. Like they're like, oh. like pulling off stuff from like the, the Disneyland ride. I was I was playing people who are with people who are obsessed with Disney. So they were pointing yes. all the stuff out. And I'm like, oh, okay, they, that sounds really cool that they're doing that. They're making those references. It's just a really fun time. Like, this is, you know, you were talking about Dark Alliance, Jeff, when, like, oh, anything's fun with your friends. This seems to be, like, doing it in the right way, way where it's like, you are probably going to be playing this game with your friends, right? Right. Uh, but, but we're going to make sure it's, like, this nice, fun palette where when you are sort of riffing off each other and riffing off the, the environment – it all just plays together really well. And you do feel like you can kind of create your own fun in a way. And it's not, nothing's getting in the way. Everything's just making it better. So yeah, Christian, I'm, I'm like right there with you. 
Well, Christian, I, I remember you not liking Sea of Thieves, right? I loathed it when it came out. I'm sure you can find the episode <laughs> no. where yeah. it, it, it felt very flat. Like there wasn't enough there there for me. And like the idea, it took me a long time to wrap my head around like the progression is purely cosmetic, but it's a first person game. Like, why do I care about? And like I played yeah. some with friend of the show Carboni over the years and we had a good time because hanging out with Carboni is always a good time. The guy's just fun. Like, you know, whatever, you know, hanging out in his Twitch chat is fun. So playing Sea of Thieves with him and friends was fun. Um, what Pirate's Life does really well, uh, Jeff and why I think that you would enjoy it. And as a solo experience, I think you'd even enjoy it is if you are a Disney fan, they use the IP so smartly. If you're not a Disney fan, I don't know if it will hit as hard. I think it will be a very expertly. And again, I know one of the missions has some bugs that they're patching, but it's, this is a beautifully themed walking sim Mm. where it's not relying on you, you know, there's again, maybe it changes later, uh, but there's not. Well, look, when, before you go on, combat, the, yeah. the is it a Disney fan or is it the film version of Pirates of the Caribbean fan? No, it's Disney, the ride. I think, because the Disney, ride, it, it, it's they, the they, ride. I mean, yeah, they go use ahead, audio yeah. from the ride in hmm. parts of it, and it's like. Wow. I could like tell I've never been on that ride. I've been to Disney like once in my life. And, but, and I'm like, Oh, this like is giving off those vibes. And my friends, again, Disney fanatics were like losing it. They're like, Oh wow, this is, this is great. And I was like trying to make jokes. They're like, no, you need to be quiet right now. We're enjoying this too much. I'm like, Oh, okay. You're right. Okay. I'm sorry. Not trying to ruin it. So it, it's like, and it's Disney, like going to Disney fans is what it seems like it's Amazing. for. And that's where oh. the quality of the experience comes in. And that there's one, there's like shot for shot. Like if you're a hardcore Disney fan, like shout out to Nicole, uh, you know, you'll recognize all of it, like it's shot for shot layout of things from the ride. But even if you're not, I think it's a testament to the quality of what the Imagineers do at Disney, where these little set pieces that you walk into and the audio, the way it hits and it's piratey and these are ghosts and it's like dead men tell no as that comes in and you hear the clang and the music starts to swell up. So I can't disassociate from the version of me that's been on this ride a million times and loves it. But I think the quality of the experience, even without that, it's a really awesome yeah. you know, walking sim style game that is fully realized in this universe. It's not like we're playing Sea of Thieves and, oh, look, there's Jack Sparrow. And he's like, oh, the I have an earpiece in for my next line. Like it's they did it. <laughs> they made the right call, right? Because you don't want to rely too much on uh, Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow in the year 2021. So and that was what I was worried about. Yes. So going towards like. You know, playing to people who are into the ride and, and the attraction, uh, it, w- it was the right move. It was a smart move. And it really works for what the video game is. The video game feels like it's it's like, uh, you know, you call it a walking sim, but it feels like it's a queue, uh, a queue traction where it's like you're <laughs> waiting in a queue at Disney and they're like trying to yeah. entertain you as you walk through this stuff. Uh, there is something to like to that idea of like, that's what Sea of Thieves is. So let's play that up. And it works really well. I'm really yeah. glad to hear that because when I saw the trailer at the E3 presentation, that was my biggest fear was, oh, this is like a weird time shifted. We all still love yeah, Johnny uh, Depp. Johnny yeah. Depp thing. And I'm like, I, I, that was I'm kind sad, of Jack actually, Sparrow yeah. it out, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not, but I'm glad to hear that that's not really the, how it they feels. Ease you, they ease you into it kind of like the ride now at Disney. Like he's there and there's going to be a good bit of him, yes. but <laughs> it's not, it's not the only reason you're there. It's, yeah. it's really, and again, it's free or, you know, free it's on game pass. It's, or if you bought sea of thieves, it's all free additional content. And I think it's well worth your time. If like me, you maybe bounced off this game. I think it works really well as single player. 
And if you're looking for friends, uh, see if Thieves of Pirate Life. Oh, and it's also like bespoke. You can launch right into it. Yeah, you don't. You just have to do do the tutorial, and then you're good to go. Which is yeah. which is really really. I'm nice, gonna take a look at it. Good. I mean, that's what I love about Game Pass is that there's no reason not to. I'm gonna right. maybe I'll load it up and check it out. Wait, on that on that point, real quick, just going back to Dark Alliance, I, I saw Epic Open World in the in the chat was saying, I wish Game Pass would get better games when they make a big deal of getting them better, like get better quality control. And do you think like when a game is bad like Dark Alliance, do you find it yourself maybe holding it more against Game Pass than you would if like a bad game just kind of came out and you didn't spend any money on it and you let it go, even though you're not really spending any extra money on Dark Alliance? Kind of like, you know, do you associate, like in the way we maybe associate like B-movies right now with Netflix? Yeah. Do you find yourself doing that at all? Because I, I do a little bit, but I'm, I'm still like sort of leaning towards the side of bad games happen. I'm just going to let it go. Uh, but I could see this sort of building up over time if this thing happens repeatedly. How, how do you guys feel about that? I, I do agree with you. I agree with you both points where I, I'm vacillating between those two things where it's like, well, bad games happen. And this game could have very easily been a bad game that wasn't on Game Pass. And it's not right. really a causal relationship, but it is, it, it does feel like there are these tentpole Game Pass releases that, you know, hold up every couple of months or something yeah. that you go, oh, that's really going to be a great reason to have Game Pass. And then when it comes out and, and lands with a thud like this one does, it, it, it does feel like a big bummer. Yeah. Um, but there's so much other stuff. I mean, but then here's Sea of Thieves, right? That also just right. released. And there's so much other stuff that's hard to it. I mean, it really is Netflix. It really is mm-hmm. Netflix where you're like, I'll give this two episodes and on to the next thing. Cause why not? It's, it's right. there's other stuff to watch. Yep. Yeah. There's going to yep. be the people in heavy makeup dating show. But there's also going to be the crown, you know. Like it's. I'm not sure which rather, one's supposed to be the good and the bad there. Personally, <laughs> right. stop. I don't know. I, I'd much rather play a bad game on Game Pass than be excited for a dungeon crawler D and D game and buy it and not like it. And I yep. think to Epic Open World's point, for me at least on Game Pass, there's far more good than there. Or there's plenty of good. There's way. There's more good than I have time in a day. And then there is bad. And if that pendulum shifts, then sure, let's talk about it again. But yeah, as long as, are, as, long as good stuff's co- still coming right, right? It's like, it's, it's kind of cool to play bad games a little bit if you're not paying that much money for them, right? Like, it's like, I played a bad game and now I'm like, I've sort of reset my expectations for what I want right now. And I would not have paid any money for Dark Alliance if I waited for the reviews and saw how much it had been savaged. There's no way I would have tried it. So it's like, it's kind of cool at this point but i get what like at a certain point it could you're right it could that pendulum could swing to that other side where it feels like everything coming to this thing is crap so they need to just watch that and i don't think it's a problem yet but yeah i think you guys are right overall yeah no it's it's so it's so you said that so well because it's very analogous to netflix for me where half the time i go okay everybody's saying it's bad but do I think it's bad? Yeah, uh-huh. I get to I get to generate my own opinion without expending any other every, resources to do it other than time. You know? Every sci-fi movie on Netflix, uh, except for that most recent one, which I can't even think of the name of the one the, the one that was like that cold calculation uh, ripoff. But it was uh, they, were, they were all bad. But I watched them all because it was like it was very little you know time or energy for me. It was just time and energy, and yeah. uh, and like that's like I can afford that most of the time. So uh, and, yeah. and when I don't. I'm not that mad at Netflix when I watch a bad movie most of the time. I just put I, on something else. I knew Hubie Halloween was going to be bad, yeah. but I still <laughs> I still watched it. <laughs> to, our, to our listeners, though, uh, save your two hours and don't watch Bright. You're okay with that. You can skip. Yeah. You can skip. You can skip. Bright. Right, I feel like that one's a fun one to, to dunk on. So <laughs> watch Bright and then go watch all the fun YouTube videos that dunk yeah. on it. That's what that's what I would do. To stay uh, on the 
good Game Pass train. Um, this was a game I got. I think I told you this, Jeff. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. I got a Series X. I had a Series S, and then I got a Series X that is now here in my office, and I moved my Series S downstairs as I'm trying to. You know, my girls have their Switch, and they play a lot of that, but like other Xbox, there's like so many things on Game Pass that I want to show them, and my office isn't as conducive for like family time gather around the monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to play Sea of Thieves with them as they kind of gravitated towards that. And as I was waiting for it to download and looking at other things, I saw Hot Shot Racing was on the carousel of, of Game Pass. So it funny. Dan- Our friend friend of the show, Danish Syed, just recommended this game to me. It says it's fantastic. Oh, really? It's yeah. fant- so it just got new DLC, which is why I think they're giving it a push, which is free DLC on Game Pass, oftentimes like Forza none of Forza Horizon, the DLC packs aren't included with the Game Pass version. Right. So this, they're advertising it as, uh, you know, the DLC is part of it. It came out in 2020, I think. Um, so I'm shocked. Maybe people in our audience did tell me about it, but i sorry. I apologize for not listening. Um, it's incredible. It's on Game Pass, and it is as if virtual racing and, um, uh, oh gosh, what is it? The um, Outrun. Outrun, thank you. Outrun yeah. had a baby, which makes tons of sense because it's made by Sumu Digital, who made Outrun 2 and so yeah. many of those sequel Outrun games that were fantastic. Sumo Digital also did uh, Sackboy's uh, Adventure or they, whatever that yeah. their new they, one. Like Studio has chops. Whatever, yeah. They did the Sonic Racing game. Uh, so like they have great racing chops. They're a great studio. And this embodies... I have Virtual Racing on uh, my Switch. I've bought multiple copies of it. I have the Genesis version, the uh, CD, Sega CD. I've, I love virtual racing. And this game nails that, but adds that drift mechanic of like Outrun 2016, whatever it's called, Outrun, Outrun 2000, um, that I think Sumo Digital made. Yeah, Outrunners, it's, I think, maybe something like that. Yeah, Something like that. Outrun yeah. 2, or I don't know what it mm-hmm. was called. But just phenomenal. And as a, whatever it launched at, I don't know, price point, you could make arguments that it's thin because it is just an arcade racer. There are, and now there's new DLC, but there's like, you know, the tracks, the tracks in reverse, the tracks in harder difficulty, blah, blah, blah. But as a game that I downloaded in five minutes on game pass, I have been going back to hotshot racing a lot. Like sea of thieves, a pirate's life, those chunks take about an hour maybe. And so if I don't have that and you can't save in the middle of it, cause it's an online, you know, kind of game. I'm like, oh, I got five minutes. I'll play Hot Shot Racing. And then, of course, cut to an hour later, I'm still playing Hot Shot Racing. Yeah. It's really good. And it has that intentional, uh, I, I keep throwing out virtual racing, but I should say to our listeners, like it, it has that look, but in a clean version of that look. It's still those chunky polygons, but it's moving at a great frame rate and you, has a good draw distance. And it very much harkens to those games of like, I know this turn in the Golden Gate Bridge. I know what you're doing here, Hot Shot yep. Racing. It's... I- Really well done. For me, I think um, a dark horse for like my own personal top ten list of all time is Outrun 3D on the 3DS. Uh, you go yes. to a you go to a dispensary here in Colorado and you put that game on and you're gonna have a, a really nice night. It's I've done that and it's it's fantastic. I still want to go back and play that game all the time. And this is the game that has most captured that for me. I, I like Hot Shot Racing a lot. I played it on the Switch, uh, but then yeah, when I saw it on Game Pass a couple months, I did the same thing that you're doing, Christian, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I should say too, I mean to your uh uh switch or well, the 3d release recommendation yeah i think well, you can out, just do that 
Outrun yeah. 3D. I think you can do that just with the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That soundtrack said that. But there's something about that, that su- those super scalar uh, yeah. sprites coming at you and in th- like actual 3D. That is, uh, it's fantastic. I still recommend people go try that. It's great. Those M2 releases and M2 allegedly doing that Castlevania advance release. So I'm like, please, please. That's one of the best like port houses in the world. So I hope that's real. Yeah. And Hotshot Racing, I should say, has great audio too. It doesn't have out run audio that's just so classic to me but hotshot racing again it's available on other platforms too i think you know jeff mentioned he played it on switch i think it's worth playing wherever you can play it if you know what you're getting into if you already have game pass it's such a broken record to say this it's a hundred percent worth the download it's such a fun arcade racer super easy to recommend and the last thing that i'll talk about mr canada is that i have rolled credits on uh rift apart so what good, f- right? So have I. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. So good. It crescendo. So good. Uh, no spoilers. Not that there are tons that you could really spoil in this type of game, but it is paced so brilliantly. Like yes, the pace breaking moments of the game are never my favorite, but they're head and shoulders above almost every other game's pace breakers. So not to talk about Ratchet and Clank to not spoil them for people, but like in Spider-Man, when you play as Mary Jane or when you're Peter Parker and you solve a puzzle, like all of those things are meant to change the pace and the rhythm of what you're doing. So you're not always doing the same thing over and over and over again. And Ratchet and Clank also has those levels. It always has, right? Those are it the, always the, has. the Clank levels. The clink levels. Right. It always yeah. has. That pacing, you're right. That pacing. Like you could, uh, Christian, you could have written my review for me. The, that's exactly what I said in my review. It's like that. They, they, yes, it's not my favorite, but the way that it breaks up the, the action so that you feel like you're doing something different for a little bit so that when you go back to the action, you appreciate that much more. It's the best in the business. Like they're the it's, best at this. It's so, and you, I feel like you see, and I'm trying to be, Insomniac does not need to level up there at the top of their game, but I feel like yeah. you see Insomniac leveling up, you know, like the, their path, like starting on, older ratchets and then sunset overdrive and spider-man and then even miles morales and now what they do in in rift apart is really exquisite and the way the game ends is just such a blast of like a speeding locomotive of momentum and then their version of new game plus is one of the best i've ever granted i don't end every game i start but of those that i do their version of new game plus really encourages you to jump back in in a really seamless unobtrusive way rift apart is just a phenomenal game top to i bottom. just want dlc of more of those arena challenges it's so fun yep. especially the ones where they like force you to only use one weapon and ammo is scarce and stuff oh it's, i love those it's, yeah, it's like it's, it's a strength for the game when you like because they really amplify all the stuff that's happening on the screen and how wild it is and all these uh, incredibly animated enemies that react differently to every single weapon and getting like being forced in situations where you see like what the weapons can do to these enemies is great and it just emphasizes that stuff. Yeah, those were those arena challenges were really good. And in those arenas and in the end game, as things build, it's a testament to the frame uh, to the the frame rate that they have rock solid in this game. Where like I'm using the dove of gl- dove. Glove, dove of gloom, glove of doom. I have my my. Oh, the dove of gloom would be fun. Yeah. yeah, my my it's mushroom. Just a sad bird. <laughs> That's DLC just me right playing. There. I have my <laughs> mushroom flying around, like seven or five of my mushroom flying yes. around, and like parts breaking off, and there's just so much going on, and it doesn't doesn't drop a frame. Absolutely exquisite, and I, I think to me when we talked about after E3, uh, Mr. Kanata of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and why I'm a little hesitant on that game. It needs to be Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. It's, Same. It, <laughs> That's how I feel, it, too. It, 
they've, they've, they've done it. That is Guardians of the Galaxy. They did it. I have a team, incredible shooting, incredible flying, incredible traversal, incredible mm. planet to planet. The bar's been set, you know? Interesting. Yeah, that's not, not a bad point. Uh, so let me ask both of you guys, what was your favorite weapon in Rift Apart? What was your, like, go-to yeah, I, I did like that. Uh, the 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 little guy you throw out, not the mushrooms, the other one. I can't remember the name of him. Uh, uh, it's like Mister, not Mister Fusion, but something. You throw him out there, and then you love him up, and then you get his wife as well. So they're out yeah. there, and they're just harassing, they're harassing the bad guys, and, and like you can have a ton of them. It's like it was so that stuff. Was, that stuff was really. It's just cool. Like like, like Christian said, just keep throwing stuff out there, keep throwing stuff out there, and you yeah. expect the game to begin to chug, and it never ever ever does. And and that's right. it's just kind of cool to witness that. My yeah, and I was, think they, they do such oh, go a good a job with balancing the the ammo because I love that the game forces me to have variety of my weapons in any given fight. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to run out of ammo on something, and so I'm going to have to swap up and do something. And it it just kind of creates fun by making mm-hmm. me do these wacky weapons. Anyway, Christian, you were going to answer that question. I mean, my favorite weapon and the weapon I use the most are different. Like the weapon I use the most, and I'm not going to remember their name, but it's just the basic grenade fully upgraded. Oh, um, really? Like the first one you get. And then the topiary, the, the sprinkler, which mm. I've always used. So it's good. like, I get, I think I had three of those fully upgraded. Maybe it was only two, but you get like multiple of those out, just turn everybody. And then I'm just like, grenade, 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 grenade. <laughs> and it's just chaos unfolding. It's really nice. I love the uh, electricity one where you yes. can just spray a bunch of enemies and they all link with electric. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, see so see the skeletons and stuff. Yeah. Right? The ricochet one was very good too. Just like we yes. just got like a the motorcycle guy with that. And he just ping pongs around the level. It's so just, good. And they were yeah. definitely, they're definitely using those, um, I forget the animation term, but where they, they like bend the characters in between the frames and they smear stuff like they did in like a spider verse and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, it's like, you don't get that in 3d animated video games ever. And I think right. it was like a huge, like subconscious reason why this game looks like better than any other video game ever. And the controller sounds like the sound, like I played with headphones for my first four hours. And then after that, I started playing with just with my uh, speakers and I, I, I started while well, my headphones are a better audio experience with that. I think the 3D audio is implemented well in Ratchet and Clank, yeah. but I like my just stereo desk speakers because I really liked the controller speakers. Like when you change to the pixelator, it's like, and you get like all the noise that controller speaker. with the haptic. Yeah. yeah, I really yeah. You, need the, you, need the, you need that with the haptic. For the haptics to really work, you need that controller speaker. The speaker's so much better in that controller. And it's actually pulling way more of the weight than people think when it comes to those haptics. It really like completes the picture for your brain. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I also loved the uh, gold bolt that turned it into the RPG numbers coming up when you hit things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I was like, that should be just a baseline Every game. option in these yep. games. I love it. Anyway, such a nerd for numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So um, my playlist uh, had some stuff we've already talked about, but I also rolled credits myself with the aforementioned Danish Syed on It Takes Two. Which, right now, today, is my game of the year. Wow. And it's not close. Uh, and Christian, I know you will never play it. And Most likely, yeah. It breaks my heart because I, I do think it would be like a Half-Life Alex situation where you would end up... I think, I think if you just kind of came to this game yourself, you would absolutely love it. But if I forced you into it, you'd resist and not like it. But it is so remarkably amazing over and over and over. I don't understand how a team 
I don't think this is a very big team. And for, at the price point it was at, there's so much game here. It is. It has no business being as long, as complex, as involved as it is. And every single level is throwing some completely new mechanic at you, some completely new innovative thing that you're doing. It's like it's like 14 different games. It's and all of them are super fun. There's so many moments where I I would comment to Danish as we were playing together. They could make a whole game just of this. Just you could do an entire full AAA game just of this. And yet it's just one tiny moment in this much larger tapestry of game. Uh, I think the story ends not great. It gets a little melodramatic at the end, which is unfortunate. It didn't mar the experience for me at all because the game is so much fun. It's so goofy and, and whimsical and fun throughout. Gorgeous, beautiful. The environments are so inventive and amazing. Uh, it, it takes this idea of being shrunk down and, and like a honey, I shrunk the kids kind of thing and blows it out because it's it starts with very sort of, oh, what would it be like to be small inside your backyard? And then it's like, oh, but then what if your backyard was infinite and you could go into space and it's like it's it goes so many crazy places i there's not enough good things to say about this game i it is such a surprise to me how incredible consistently incredible it is moment to moment to moment there was a moment the other night as we were finishing the game where we just played chess like you discover a chess set and you can play chess in the game and we played chess for like 20 minutes it was as i mean that's not in and of itself remarkable, but just in the context of how the game has momentum and is fun. And then it will have these divergent little, I told the, the story of playing tug of war in the game uh, the last time I talked about it. And there's all these little mini games that happen, but there's also these big mini games that are the main levels. It, it's so beautifully designed. I just can't say enough good things about it takes two. Did so you I play a way out? I didn't play a way out. No, okay. I didn't. I played, you know, um, a tale of two sons um, right but i did not i, I skipped way out and i kind of want to go back and play did you did you play it i i, I only played it a little bit but i, I was just kind of curious because what i understand is it seems like it is uh, the, these games are in a lineage with each other and yeah. way way out was like this foundation and then it takes two really built on that and you you could see the reaction to a way out and it was sort of it was lukewarm and people were like this yeah. idea is okay but there's something you know it's not really fully there and I think it is really nice to see someone say, no, we're going to do that again. But we now we know how to do it better. And to see them succeed at that is very exciting to me. And yeah. like, I, I haven't played It Takes Two, but uh, just that idea of like someone saying, no, I, I think this idea really is our thing. And we yeah. might be able to do it better than anyone else has ever done it before. And for them to deliver on that is uh, very, very exciting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to check this game out before game of the year time. I think you should. I, I hope you get you get a chance to play it with someone I think it's kind of inconvenient and difficult sometimes yeah. to play game a, a game, especially this long with another person. But I will tell you, it is one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Mm. Just like meeting over several nights. The last three or four sessions that we played were like, okay, I'm sure we're finishing it tonight. And it would just keep going and going. And we'd be like, this is amazing. How is this game still going? Uh, so it's, it's a long, longer game than you think, but it is, uh, is so much there. And like you said, nobody else is doing this kind of thing. And I was so pleased to see that it sold 2 million copies. I, I, I'm, I'm wishing them it's lots of in, success. With it's it. been in the MPD uh, in the top 10 for the last two months. And both of those months were not the month, month that it launched. So yeah. uh, it like 
had legs and like it kind of got a little bit of a sprung of spring after its first month. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that's also exciting that they're succeeding here. And EA is like getting paid off for this investment in this little studio. It's like, OK, yeah. that's that's I mean, usually that's not the story here. So that the fact that that's happening is is great. Yeah, I can't wait to see what his light does next. How how complex is it? Because I'm I'm not going to promise anything, Jeff. But part of my other reason for I have my series S down in the living room. This game is always split screen, whether it's remote or not. But playing it with my wife, because we'll be on that, you know, playing that couch co op experience. Um, and she games, you know, not mm-hmm. as much as I do. But like, you know, I'm curious for a non, you know daily gamer how complex of a game is this a game that you can bring somebody in who has played halo but not halo 5 or is it i mean if, if she plays halo she'll have no problem played with it. halo <laughs> played halo if she played like beyonce's halo uh on repeat a few times <laughs> you know, i don't like know. land land party halo uh yeah i mean i think it it is fairly sophisticated platforming like it's very generous. You die and you respawn immediately. No load, no nothing. You just like pop back to the thing. The boss fights are in, you know, they're pretty intense. A lot of communication. They require cooperation. Okay. Yeah. They require a lot of communication. Like, you have, like oh. you're going to do one thing. The other person's got to be doing a very specific other thing. Every single thing in the game requires com- communication okay. cooperation. Yeah. I mean, I it's like, play it, this with my wife, Jeff. That's not, I know. Do, you not do you not know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole game's about divorce. You can't let them get ideas like that. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, babe, I want to play this game with you. What is it about? Don't worry about it. You'll oh, see. Oh, yeah, you'll see. Let's just I mean, let's yeah. let it be a surprise. It's a spe- <laughs> the narrative is a little is a little yeah. And there's a, there's a creepiness right? to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this isn't a. I don't think this is a spoiler. The, it's, the, the parents, it's what's advertised. Yeah, the parents get you know get sucked into the game world, right? But in the narrative of the game, they're like their bodies are just comatose right and their daughter constantly is like seeing their mom just passed out on the couch a horrifying idea to me by the way one of the it reasons i'm like terrifying. yeah and then like, the first, so... you gotta like make the daughter cry it's like a prohibition too and i'm like okay well all right yeah they think that's the answer but yeah no, uh, no it, yeah no right that but that, that's yeah. the idea they get in their head right yeah right uh but it, I, I mean those kind of odd things aside it is spectacular and so inventive. So I, I think your wife, if she is okay, if she's okay, if she can play Ratchet and Clank, she could play this. Okay. Um, is, it, is it is it we'll is see. it dual stick where you're you're going to be on the camera on the right stick a lot, or is yeah. this camera sort of autopilot? No, you're going to be on the camera a lot. Okay, I think um, that right there—that's the barrier for most people. Yeah. I think if you know if you could do dual sticks and and that you're right. comfortable with that, you'll probably be fine. If you're yeah. If, you kind of need the game to do the camera for you. This might be an issue. I think that's yeah. the big I one. mean, it's, 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 I think Russian clink is the good litmus test because, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of how you have to jump and hit L1 to swing on things in Ratchet and clank and have to be able to be able to, you know, traverse rails and stuff. It's, it's a lot of that kind of thing too. Um, okay. so, well, you know, we'll it's not, no promises. Yeah. yeah. The, I, uh, I, one Ratchet and clank thing, as you brought it up, uh, and I wish more games had this accessibility mode. I think that's where it is in the options. You can change that. So it's all one button for all of that type of stuff. That's how my, mm. when I let my oldest play it, I was like, L1, she, she, she's comfortable with that, but she's predominantly a switch player. So like uh, buttons are different, you know, I'm like, it's yeah. the pokeball button you know, or whatever, but right. I made it all one button and she was zipping through levels. That's great. I, I, I'm so glad that this is catching on this accessibility stuff. It's so, so, so positive for the hobby. Yep. 
Um, I want to talk about a listener suggested review. This was emailed to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. If you ever hear or, or play a game that you don't hear us talk about or want to add your two cents into our conversation, I welcome you writing in. Uh, this is a game I have not played, so I was excited to read about it. This comes to us from Nick, uh, who writes in, uh, hello guys, I wanted to send in a listener review for a game that I haven't heard anyone talking about, Outward. I had my eye on this last year before it came out, but some middling reviews kind of turned me off. Last week, I saw it was marked down to 40 bucks for the deluxe edition that includes two separate expansion packs, so I picked it up on my Xbox, and I am so glad I did. The game is a lot like the Fable games, similar in look, setting, and in style of combat. But instead of the zany British humor, it has a deep layer of simulation over everything. You have to eat, drink, sleep, and you can't carry much more than a person could realistically. This all means having a good backpack is everything. Backpacks are so central that there is a dedicated button for quickly dropping your pack. This is super important because having big backpack on you will slow you down in combat. If you go looking for it, there's also a super deep magic system. When combined with the dozens of different weapons, swords, axes, maces, hammers, bows, muskets, and one or two-handed versions of each, this allows a very wide range of playstyles based on your personal preference. The hardcore sim and difficulty are perfectly balanced by the fact that you never die in this game. Whenever your life drops to zero, the screen goes black and a contextual sentence or two pops up, explaining how you were left for dead, rescued by a good Samaritan, or crawled your way to safety, etc., Sometimes you may wash up on a distant beach after being thrown unconscious into the ocean with your precious backpack nowhere to be seen. But the designers anticipate all of this, and if you scavenge the beach for a while, eventually you'll find your pack washed up somewhere nearby. A lot of early enemy encounters are spent running away, kiting lone enemies away from their groups, or sniping them with a bow and handcrafted arrows. Oh yeah, there's a vast crafting system in this game too. Eventually, though, you'll gather more and more powerful gear and armor, learn deadly magic spells, or buff yourself with homemade alchemy potions enough to strike fear into all but the deadliest monsters and bandits. I'm just so impressed with this game that I felt I needed to spread the word. Outward. It's a masterpiece. If you loved the Fable RPGs and like the idea of a fantasy sim, check it out. It's uh, 70% off on Steam right now for the summer sales, so... uh... $12 Twelve dollars yeah. for the base version and thirty dollars for the for the adventurer bundle. So, yeah, that's good not deal. Bad. I, the setting down the backpack, like that, for some reason, that really gets me. Like the idea of like it being so central to uh, combat and having to worry about it slowing you down and setting it down to like go get a fight. I love that idea. I'm gonna you love try it. This oh, it out. sounds very. It sounds very tedious to me. But. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. That's my totally my stuff. Is that tedium? Is like having to like consider that stuff. A button to set down your backpack. Like, yes, that is my jam. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Sounds like uh, sounds like I got a winner for Jeff. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, try again, this out. Thank you. Again, it's called Outward. Thank you, Nick. If you have a game to recommend to us or want to send in your review, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send it. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, we do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Jeff Grubb, man, it has been so awesome having you on the show. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. It's like a cool way to spend a Sunday night. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have to do it again. But in the meantime, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the wonderful things that you do on the Internet. Yeah, uh, a good place to sort of check in on me is Twitter. I, I don't recommend following. I, I tweet way too much. It's like my ADHD <laughs> exhaust like system. It just all just goes out there. So you, you keep that in mind. Uh, but I do tend to put everything there. Where the, if I'm you know if I'm on a podcast, if I'm doing one of my own shows, if I wrote wrote something, 
it'll all end up on twitter.com slash Jeff Grubb. And then uh, my Discord is a good place to hang out where I'm a little bit more chill and just we were having conversations. You can get to that discord.gg slash game mess. And that's a cool place just to hang out. And it's open free. You don't have to you know join anything to join that. It's all, it's all open. So, yeah. Uh, those are the best way. And then, you know, gamespeed.com, you know, I'll, I'll write my stories there. It's a good place to ch- check out. Like if I'm sure about a thing, if I'm not, if I'm not just like talking on a podcast and like just kind of saying something and then gets turned into a headline, <laughs> if I'm sure about something. It's going to be in a story on gamespeed.com. So that's the best way to know what, like, what I'm confident about. That's awesome. Christian Spicer. What about you? What you got going on this week? I mean, I, I heard all that stuff that Jeff said, and it's all great stuff, but all I really heard was standalone Ghost of Tsushima DLC coming this year, which is <laughs> weird that that's what I heard out of that. So I don't know. I, I was like waffling between that, and I also heard uh, Last of Us Part 3 is coming in 2023. Mm. But these are just, I don't know, these are places you can follow me online <laughs> at lastofusparttree.com. Um, <laughs> Twitter's the best place, at Spicer. I'm starting to do stand-up again here in L.A., uh, Again, not hitting the road yet. Still feels weird. But for any of those last minute L.A. shows, they will be announced on Twitter if you are in the L.A. area. I stream this show uh, usually Sunday night, 7.15 p.m. Pacific time is when we start on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And I have a newsletter you can find at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. Um, I'm tinkering on my like uh, post E3 summer games um, look back retrospective (laughs) already a retrospective of this year's but now we're so close to this ea one that's what happens is i take too long writing something and then we creep up on the next thing (laughs) that i want to just just start writing your e3 2022 uh article and then it'll be ready in time i'm just working on my avatar for e3 2022 already so uh, that's the most important part (laughs) yep (laughs) but those are the best ways to keep in touch (laughs) i was i was playing D &D last night with uh mod garrett uh friend of the show and we, we we talked for like 20 minutes about this stupid avatars. <laughs> so funny. Um, all right. Uh, as for, did you, was, it, was that all you needed to say? Oh, yes, that is all I needed to say. <laughs> all right, sorry. Um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled two N's and one T. Uh, other shows that I do include, but are not limited to, the Slash Filmcast <laughs> Uh, with the aforementioned Dave Chen over at SlashFilmCast.com. Talking about movies and TV shows. Also, I do a comedy science show with the aforementioned Anthony Carboni over at WeHaveConcerns.com. And uh, The Dungeon Run, which is my live play Dungeons & Dragons show, is streaming live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at Twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. It's also on YouTube and as an audio podcast. We're doing a special two-week uh, two-shot DM'd by not me, by somebody else, by uh, Jared Kajak. And it's awesome. So if you want to just a short, the show isn't too intimidating to get into the big, you know, 400-hour extravaganza that we've done so far, uh, check out our two-shot. You can just watch a couple episodes and see how great our players are. We have some awesome guests as well. Um, check that out. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Jeff, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I uh, the pandemic closed down libraries, so I was like, "Hey, I have a tablet." There's, I always hear about these things like OverDrive and Libby and these ways to get 
uh, basically, you know, free books and stuff through your library using your library card. And they were all okay. Libby's okay. It's a good way to get some audiobooks. Uh, the, the good one is Hoopla. Go get the Hoopla app from the App Store. This is, it has way more than you would expect, like a lot, a ton of comic books. I was, the, the reason I got into this is because, uh, I was watching, um, uh, God, what's that? Uh, the, the really violent Amazon comic book show that just came out. Um, Invincible. Oh, Invincible. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh, I got to read these comics. So I got a bunch of free, the free ones that were on Comixology. I had like, uh, not the free ones, but I had the subscription on there, but it was only up through like the volume 10 or something like that. And I was talking about that on Twitter. My buddy's like, Hey, check out Hoopla. It's going to have everything. You can get like 12, 12 uh, rentals basically per month. It's all free, though. It's not really a rental. It's using your library card. And I just read through everything on there. And now I am every night with the kid. We're just going on there. We're picking out a book. And and right now she's in a phase where she doesn't Amazing. want me to read to her. She just wants like the, it, like the book to read to her. Like they have those books on there. She just hits yeah. the play button. She's like, okay, that one's great. Let's do it again. Let's get another one. And it's it's fantastic. Uh, it supports your local libraries. It's uh, it's just a really great app. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's Hoopla, H O O P L A. Awesome! I gotta check this out. I, I've been all over Libby, but I I don't have Hoopla, so I'm gonna try that. Yep. Sounds amazing. My my kid has gotten into uh, audiobooks as well. He got this. I don't remember what it's called, but it's made for kids. It's like a little box, and you put these cards in that have audiobooks on them. And uh, he was listening to one about vehicles and stuff. And the other day, he turns to me and he goes. Dada, did you know that hot air is lighter than cold air? And I was like, I uh, love these audiobooks. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. She'll drop science on us, stuff on us all the time. Like, how do you learn this stuff? They're like, okay. All right. The books, they're working. I guess that's why they're supposed to read. All right. Yeah, fantastic. It's yeah. So awesome. Uh, Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? Well, my youngest just keeps telling me she can't believe what happened to Invincible. That's, I mean, she loves it. She's six and just really laughing. Yeah, that train scene how, was really tough. Yeah. <laughs> how unjust of a world it is. Mm. Um, I'm surprised I haven't mentioned this and I went through and I have not. But it's new this year, maybe a few months old now at this point. Um, there's a band, Eternal Boy, and they have a new album out called Bad Days Are Over. It is pop punk. And it's a new album, but it is pop punk i mean there are guitar <laughs> riffs that start these songs that you're just like oh they get it this is nfg in their prime blink 182 with mark and tom also um mark uh recently announced his cancer diagnosis that's uh you know sending all the love and positivity his way that uh, um anyway now i'm sad as i realize like life is cruel and tragic um but eternal boy bad days are over uh, it's such a phenomenal album and it has all those feel good hooks and riffs that you want in a good pop punk album. Um, it is not clean. There is not a clean version of it. Oftentimes, um, you'll, you know, there'll be like the clean release so you can listen to it with your kids. This is not that at all. So make sure they're asleep where you have some good headphones, but it is fantastic. It's called bad days are over. The artist is um, eternal boy. They're great. My recommendation is also not really for kids or not for kids at all. Uh, it is a show, relatively new show on HBO called Starstruck that uh, it's only six episodes. Uh, we binged it in like in a night, my wife and I. It's great. It's great. So the, the idea here is kind of the, the story of Notting Hill, that movie Notting Hill, where like the, the normal person dates the movie star. Uh, but this is the reverse, uh, gender roles and much better. I think <laughs> it's, it is quirky and fun and hilarious and adorable. The lead, uh, woman is 
so cute and fun and charming. It is a great show. Uh, very, very funny, very well written. The, the chemistry of the characters is just fantastic. It's called Starstruck and it's on HBO. I'm watching on HBO Max. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us by Alec uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, Alec writes, this is Alec. I have a parting gift that I'd like to share with the community. Everyone is talking about Bo Burnham's inside, as they should be. It's amazing. I wanted to recommend that anyone who likes the special go to iTunes or Amazon and purchase the TV show Zach Stone is going to be famous. It's a mockumentary, half-hour comedy series co-created by and starring Bo. It was canceled after one season, but it is a comedy gem that anyone who likes Bo or The Office must watch. Zach Stone decides to spend his college savings on a documentary crew that will follow him around until he becomes famous. He describes it as being a pre-celebrity, an interesting premise, nonstop jokes, and commentary on young people's thirst for fame make this show one of my favorites. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Alec. Uh, I was not aware of this one, and I'm a huge Bo Burnham fan, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out Zach Stone is going to be famous, or going to be famous, I should say. All right. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send it. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jeff Grubb and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to all the folks hanging out with us live in real time, uh, uh, watching the video version of the show. You make the show better. We appreciate you. And thanks to each and every one of you who download the show. We're grateful for that as well. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.